Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. December 19, 2019. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to everyone out there as we are just uh, less than a week away. Uh, Mike Abadir sitting next to me like always. I am Gino Bocola here. Very happy to be talking to you during this uh, holiday season. And uh, Mike, happy holidays, buddy. And great time uh, in, in the sports world also as we are just getting ready for bowl season to start. We want to tell the folks before we get into anything else about the uh, the bowl contest too that we have out there going on. Yeah, man, back by popular demand. This is the first time I remember in a while where people, you know, a couple of weeks in advance are like, hey, yeah, you guys roll, rolling that. out the Capital One bowl, or not Capital One, but I mean, they're asking for the bowl game contest. We utilize ESPN's platform, which is the Capital One Bowl Mania. And uh, yeah, it's fun, man. It's a lot of fun. Good way to engage in the college football bowl season. You know, get a little action on it without putting any action on it, if you know what I mean. So yeah, and um, we're offering the hundred gift hundred dollar gift card to the winner, yep. and then an Amazon Fire Stick to the runner up. And also, if you win, you uh, will be able to come on and be uh, a co host for a segment on the show, and you can talk about whatever you want. We'll introduce you to everyone. We can mention any sports or you know TV shows or movies or anything that's on your mind. We can talk about for uh, you know a, a segment here. So. You can get to be a, a co-host, and you get a $100 gift card where, uh, wherever you'd like. Well, and you know what's that, funny about that, Gino, is that for me, I would want the the, the gift card or you know, maybe, maybe be able to put 100 bucks into my TVG account or something sure. like that. I'm actually sure. surprised at how many people actually want to co-host with us. But yeah. uh, but I've actually been been hearing that from, uh, from a, a variety of people. I, the hell with the gift card or the Amazon Fire Stick. I want to co-host a segment with you guys. So, hey, man, whatever tickles your fancy, you got it. So... Um, absolutely should be a fun contest, good way to kind of talk some smack amongst your friends. And um, I know there's different groups of people that know each other that have been signing up. I know the Bay Area guys, Waldo and Wasim and Eric, Roger, etc. You guys are uh, obviously welcome and uh, look to, to see you guys represent the Bay Area in the standings. And we have to discuss it, too, before we, we really get into anything else. We had a pretty epic fantasy football battle last week in the semifinal <laughs> in the semifinal of the Mike Abadir show fantasy football league where it looked I mean we were like based on the projections it was always going to be really tight and just like going to go it was going back and forth and back and forth and you uh, had Will Lutz left which is is funny because you're you're you know connections with just with will and with basically uh, it's like having my own client as a fan yeah 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 he snapped it's just just hilarious so and you got the most and you needed 11 points from lutz in order to win which he was projected 10.8 and if you look at his last few games like i think he's the leading kicker in points coming into this week Uh, The leading fantasy uh, kicker. So getting 11 is nothing crazy, especially the way that the the Saints move the ball. And he's able to drill 50-yard field goals like nothing, you know. So getting those additional points from longer field goals is not a problem with him. Like some other kickers can't get you past like 45, you know. Um, He doesn't miss a lot of extra points, so you don't get the the garbage like – 
one point away and quickly he had like five points like immediately and when you're watching the game the saints could not be stopped they moved the ball every time indy could do nothing and i'm sitting there there's no way like at halftime that you were not going to win and i think i ended up beating you by 1.1 point you needed either one more field goal or two more extra points to win and just because late the saints were up so big they just stopped really running their offense you what what hurt you was the fact that Indy just couldn't move the ball at all if they would have well, that's you know, a funny thing a little yeah, bit it would have probably helped you <laughs> that's the funny thing they couldn't stop them they couldn't get a stop to make it to where they have a chance to kick a 50-yard field goal because then that's a five-pointer or even a 40-yard field goal because then that's a four-pointer you know, you, you're two minute drill. You're thinking, OK, that's that's usually when you get like some of those, you know, you get into field goal range, go for a kick. Even if it's 57, 58, they'll try it. You know what I mean? But Indy couldn't stop them and they were driving the ball. And I told myself before the game, the only way that Lutz doesn't do it is if the Saints are winning like 35, nothing. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what it was. Goal. Going into the fourth, it is exactly what it was. And once it got to the fourth quarter, I'm like, it's it's, it's done. They're not even going to score another point the rest of the game. I, I was pretty confident of that. But you know what, though? To me, it, these fantasy matchups, there's obviously there's an element of skill and there's an element of luck. I, I'm one of those guys where I'm like, you know what? I don't want good luck. I just don't want bad luck. That's exactly. You know what I mean? I don't. And, and, I don't that's need, exactly what yeah. happened because to me, it wasn't about Lutz for me. For me, it was... The bench. Uh, well, two weeks in a row, I, I had the following happen. The first one was because I actually felt that on paper my my team in, in the other league was a better team. That's kind of how I felt. And the team went on uh, kind of like a scoring drought for a while. So went on a bad losing streak. But I'm like, you know, once it gets in the playoffs, it should be fine. After the very first reception for Mike Evans, he's knocked out of the game. And then you're in pull, trouble. Right. And then a late announcement that Jacobs was uh, was out for the Raiders. And I'm like, are you kidding me? The fantasy gods just do not want we, me to win. <laughs> sure enough, the week after in, in this league that Gino is talking about, um, midway through the third quarter when Godwin was just on a rampage scoring-wise, uh, you know, uh, both like receptions and, and doing everything you can, yards, the, the works, he gets knocked out of the game again with a hamstring pull. I, could, I was like, I cannot believe this. And then, of course, Julio, who had not scored a TD in a couple of weeks. Just <laughs> in goes. Like more than a couple of weeks, 10 weeks, I believe, right? Goes um, ballistic late in that 49ers uh, game. Yeah, and, and, and that's a good segue to, you know, what do you think about the 49ers? As, as you know, I have not been a big believer in them. They started off 8-0, and at that time, I'm like, you know, we'll know a lot more about them after the difficult part of their schedule. Sure enough, they're 3-3 three and three in their last six, but they've been there, you know, knocking real close with, with both the Ravens, and then they actually knocked off the Saints, both road games. What do you make of these guys? They, and they're a team that I've been trying to beat, like, most of the year, and I did think that they were a team that beat up on weaker opponents and— not only weaker opponents really are in the year, but weaker opponents that were just not playing well. You know, like you could play against the, like there are teams, you know, like the Browns, for example, where, you know, you look at the Browns and some weeks they don't play well. Other weeks you'll get a really good effort from the Browns. You know, maybe they don't do everything yeah. correct. Or, but or like get, that, that's what they faced. The, for example, they faced the Bucks before the Bucks got their offense rolling. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, in perfect example, 
or, or you know, they played the Rams when the Rams were really kind of struggling and Goff looked really, really bad there. Um, remember they played Pittsburgh in that game where uh, Rudolph was just miserable. They had like five turnovers and they still somehow Pittsburgh couldn't score on any of them. And somehow yep. they still were able to win. So I'm like, I'm watching those games and I'm thinking, ah, like, how good is this team? But what I do know over the last few weeks, uh, and, and I don't know how much that'll help going into the playoff because they, they could be in some trouble having to go on the road. You know, and that's that's the situation they're in right now. I know that they can run the ball really well. They have a pretty solid defense and they're very well coached. Like those are three things I know about their team that I wasn't completely sure about through most of the year, but even through this this schedule, even and even with the loss to Atlanta last week, I'm just worried about their their health right now. They're banged up. When you go like, those games against Baltimore and against the uh, the Saints on the road, they took their toll on the 49ers, and they're not a, a completely healthy squad right now. At 100%, I like them quite a bit. Right now, I'm I'm concerned because they got two games left now. They have to play a Rams team where you don't know what you're going to get from this Rams team. If if the Rams come out and play well, would it shock you? No, but if they get crushed, it wouldn't shock me. And then they got to play uh, a game against Seattle on the road at Seattle for basically what could be the number one seed in the NFC, what could be for the uh, um, a bye in the playoffs or for having to go on the road and play either Dallas or Philly. So these next couple of weeks for the 49ers are huge. I, I like them, but I like them at full strength. I don't know. Now, if I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something that's, that's very ironic in all this, because I think that Shanahan is a really good up and coming head coach, but I think that Shanahan actually cost them the number one seed. He might've last now, week. Yeah. How, how can, how can, how, how do you jive all that? He's a really good coach, but he cost him the number one seed. Here's how when they're unbeaten, when they run the ball 30 or more times, they are, uh, they've not lost a game when they run the, they run the ball 30 or more times. What I think happened was he, he, and he knows that he knows when they run the ball, they win. I think what he was thinking was in the playoffs, you're going to have to throw, you're going to have to make some key throws to win the game. You can't just entirely rely on your running game. And so we better fine-tune Jimmy G mm-hmm. so that when he gets to the playoffs, we know what plays he likes, which ones he flourishes in, which ones we can rely on to be able to make our mark postseason-wise with the passing game. So let's shift to a little bit more of a balanced attack with our offense. So – Will that experience play out favorably for them in the postseason? We'll see. But so far, it's produced 500 results. Against the good right? teams. you know. It, yeah, it, 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 yeah. It, it wasn't one of those things where outside of one Arizona game where they fell behind early, you know, most of the games have been back and forth. You know, they haven't really had a big deficit to where now you got to unleash Jimmy G you're right. because yeah. you're down by 17 or 21 points or something. Hasn't been the case. It's been entirely volitional. It's been... You know, it's a it's been a decision. We are going to pass the ball so that we can get better in the passing game, and maybe they have. You know, I think maybe the Saints game proves that they maybe have improved in their passing game. You know, so maybe maybe the strategy is working. I don't know. We'll see. But I still don't trust Jimmy G at all. They, I think they're going to have to go back to running the ball thirty plus times if they're going to win in the postseason. Yeah, and I mean this game against like. 
I thought they would have a game like I thought last week would be a trap game that they would win. I thought it would be a game that they like probably wouldn't cover that. You know, there's the Shanahan used to coach in Atlanta, maybe some familiar familiarity with him and some of the things that he does. Also, uh, Atlanta's actually been playing pretty well the last like six weeks when you look yeah, at their defense overall combined kind of got it together a little bit. Y- and yeah. And even the game against yeah. the, the Saints, they lost where they actually moved the ball like pretty well. And, and Ryan just kept getting sacked over and over again. Like if he didn't get hit nine times, that, that game was actually there late and they got those, uh, those multiple onside kicks late. But, um, I, I just thought they would, they'd still be able to win the game. And so now I do think like, I think if they would have won last week that they might've had an opportunity to, to have a trap game or like a flat game this week against the Rams. Now that they lost, I do think they'll play better this week. Like, I don't think that the Rams are going to sneak up on them. I don't think they're going to come out flat. That doesn't mean they still can't lose if the Rams play their a game and the Rams are trying to cling on to the last small little bit of life that they have. They need to win two games and they need the Vikings to lose two games. But all, Honestly, when you look at it on paper, um, I mean, the Vikings play the Packers and the Bears. It wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world if the Vikings lost those two games. But uh, the Rams need some luck, and they need two wins, and they have to win this first game against uh, San Francisco. What I don't like about the Rams in this game, and to me, this is just a total stay away because I can't get a feel for uh, – it's weird. The Rams are actually 9-5 and five against the spread this year. You know, They've actually been like a pretty good against the spread team, even though – they it feels just like a disappointing year for them. Um, they they don't match up well because I don't like Goff against this defense, against the 49ers defense. That's what concerns me. I think that the quarterbacks that can beat or succeed well against the the 49ers or or quarterbacks that like overall, I don't I'm not gonna really count Matt Ryan as being successful last week. They didn't exactly score a ton of points, but I'm gonna count like Russell Wilson because he can move and he's just, you know, on another level. Um, you know, someone like Lamar who he can move around and get out of the pocket, or someone like Drew Brees who can just release it really quickly. You know, he can just boom instant quickly to you know, Michael Thomas or, you know, quick hitters to keep keep himself out of trouble. Goff isn't quite that way. He's more of a he needs a little bit of time to sit back, kind of survey things, make a and or, you know, sit back, look at a read okay, my read's good, boom, there I go. He's not necessarily just boom, boom, move around. And that's what concerns me is like just the matchup. I don't know if the Rams match up very well with with the 49ers. Well, although that uh, everything that you said is true. We do typically see these type of teams split in the regular season. Mm-hmm. And division, not, they play close. A lot of these division, division games, even yeah, with Arizona and the 49ers, you know, and Seattle yeah. and the 49ers, they, they played them tough. Yeah. So it, it's going to be interesting because both, both contenders, you know, being Seattle and San Francisco are playing divisional matchups this week. So those are always going to be difficult. The Seahawks are at home against Arizona. And then they both clash up there in Seattle for the final game of the year. Th- that's supposed to be a mega matchup. And I think everybody's assuming that they're going to go in there with a deadlock 12 and three record. I'm not so sure about that though. I still think even though the Rams were dominated by the Cowboys last week, I still think they're going to put up a really good effort this week against San Francisco. And if they win and the Seahawks win at home, then that matchup is going to be meaningless because Pretty much the uh, assuming Seahawks win this week, they would have already clinched the division. So that's going to be. Um, well, is that true? Yes, it will be true. 
Well, it will it will come down to I guess the like I think they would still have to play it out though because if they split and it would come down to you know then what's It'll the next tiebreaker the conference yeah. record you know so that would end up end up counting on what these next two games and how these teams fare you know, like who yeah they because lose I think to. the 49ers would have the tiebreaker assuming that they won out I think but so if too they lose yeah. if they lose this week. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm gonna. Then the I'm conference hold game off. will shift. Yeah, let me hold yeah. off on making that declaration that the Seahawks mm-hmm. would be okay. Um, yeah, I think. I think either way, actually, it's going to come down to that game. And this is actually going to be a Saturday game. We'll be taking uh, our our first break in just a second. And there's actually three Saturday games that are all pretty important. And if you want, when we return from the break, we can talk about the next two. We just kind of got into this Seattle or the uh, Rams 49ers game. So. Uh, it sounds like you might have a play in this game. Yeah, I do actually, and I just looked it up. It's it's funny because yeah, if the if the 49ers lose right now, they're deadlocked to eight and two in the conference. So if the Niners lose, they would be eight. Uh, they'd be three and two in the division and eight and three in the conference. Whereas Seattle would be three and one in the division and eight and two in the conference. But the thing that I missed out on is when you play head to head. <laughs> right, it's gonna it's gonna bring that division and conference record back to a tie again. So even if they, yeah, yeah so I, I need to look at what's the next tiebreaker. Be a very interesting scenario if we see that. Gino, let's take a commercial break. I'll see if I can look up that answer, and we'll continue with more NFL talk right after this. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. For Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of a former player who also has coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver. He'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl has the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. He'll cover the camps, on and off the field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com
This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Three games on Saturday this week in the NFL, and all three of these games with uh, major playoff implications. And we could be seeing, you know, four, maybe five playoff teams um, on on Saturday, Mike, with Houston, Tampa, Patriots, Buffalo, and then 49ers, Rams. Yeah, and I did just look it up uh, in terms of that tiebreaker. So, yes, if if the 49ers lose and the and the Rams win the Rams would uh, excuse me 49ers lose to the Rams and Seattle beats Arizona currently the tiebreaker is because Seattle has won head to head against the the 49ers so Seattle beat the 49ers so they're 1 and 0 against them so the question is if, if they win the following week bringing it back to a tie would they wouldn't Seattle wouldn't have that one zero advantage? It'd be one one head to head against each other, but their and their division divisional records would be the same. Their conference records would be the same. The strength of schedule advantage would go to Seattle. Strength of victory advantage would go to Seattle, and the common opponent strength would go to Seattle, which I guess is the same same as strength of victory, I believe. So. Uh, Seattle will win the division, Gino, if the 49ers lose this game against the Rams, assuming that Air, uh, Seattle does what they're supposed to do against Arizona at home, which is no no gimme. But I'm, I'm going to say that in, in Seattle, you know, with that 12th man, I think it's a tough task for Arizona to go up there and win. But So, uh, so at six and a half, uh, 49ers are six and a half point favorite this week. I think that's a lot of points. I think that's a lot of points. It's a lot of points for a team that's coming off a home loss against against Atlanta. And the Rams have been playing their best football in the second half of the season. Uh, I'm just going to stay away. Those teams typically split. I'll tell you what, man. If McVeigh and company lose this game, if they're out coached, you know, it's funny because one of our regular guests, Adrian Ross, played in the league for seven, eight years, with, mainly with Cincinnati Bengals. You know, he's he's kind of been on the league for playing copycat with McVeigh. And, you know, everything that McVeigh touches turns to gold. He's not he's not bought on that at all. He thinks it was very premature. And now you're hiring his coordinators who are inexperienced to be head coaches in Cincinnati or whatnot. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's not sold at all. And I think to me, not that any one game can define you, but hey, you lost your biggest game in the Super Bowl. You were mm-hmm. clearly outcoached by Belichick and company. I, I think this game will probably mean something to McVay. You know, you, you have the two hot shot young head coaches in that division. I think it means something. You don't want to go 0 2 in that head to head matchup with them. So, um, I know we've spent a little bit of time on this game and on this division. To me, it is fascinating. It's a fascinating matchup. I think to me, what's the most interesting thing about the Rams is twofold. When everybody declared that Gurley was done, he's reemerged. 
And second thing is, what's happened to Cooper Cup in the passing game? It's just been so inconsistent, right? Like two weeks ago, Woods was huge. And then last week, he was just, it's, it's been Higby. It's been a lot of checkdowns to Higby. He's had three games where he's had over 100 yards. He destroyed me in a couple fantasy leagues last week where he was just getting all that garbage time when that's, that's what concerns me is like, why were the Rams so flat last week? Like, why were they so bad And uh, against Dallas, who had just been miserable for weeks in a row? It's not surprising that Dallas plays well against someone, but why were the Rams so bad? I just don't know. After a couple of good weeks, they just beat up Seattle. They played well a couple of weeks prior to that and looked like their offense was, was starting to figure things out, as you mentioned, with like leaning a little bit more on Gurley. And then... I just don't understand why they got beat up so bad. Now they are five and zero in their last five following and against the spread loss. And as I mentioned, their record this year they're nine and five against the spread. That's not that's not bad, especially for a team who's coming off a Super Bowl loss and who it feels like had a disappointing year. You would feel like it would be like five and nine against the spread in a lot of those games, but they've actually. What that tells me is like they've had a pretty tough schedule because I actually picked I think the Rams under. At the beginning of the year because uh, it looked like they had a tough schedule on paper and they have had a tough schedule in particular with like the emergence of the 49ers now like these were two tougher games than you probably thought heading into the year you were going to have and I I just can't I can't pull a trigger either way here so I, it looks like that's going to be one of your plays this week um, yeah and, uh, one final note to man- mention is that uh, Greg Zerline is questionable and Troy Hill is out in this matchup so they've already declared Troy Hill out, and Zerline is questionable. That'll also be interesting as well if you go into that game with uh, a street free agent kicker in a game that's expected to be pretty tight. That could be the difference between winning and losing right there. So few different interesting things going into this matchup. Uh, the other games also have some implications as well as mm-hmm. you mentioned on Saturday. So the morning game, the early get well morning for us on the West Coast, one, you know, uh 10 a.m. 10 a.m. out here, 1 p.m. Eastern, the Buccaneers and the Texans. I think right now the Bucks are playing for staying above 500. Yeah, they and they won four in a row and having a winning record this season. You know, if they win this game and if they went out next two, they'd be 9 and 7. A very respectable Record. They were my uh, long shot playoff team, um, so I'm still backing them. I still think that the Buccaneers have some things to be excited about. Obviously, Evans is out for the and Godwin, the which is that's Godwin what concerns me. So that it's going to make of them. That's what, gonna, that's what I'm worried about. It's um, going to really hurt exactly in that passing game. To me, though, I think year number one for Arians is a success. Great. Yeah. And he, it's like, Jameis has been good. Um, He's just been, like, an enhanced version of Jameis where you're you're getting, you know, all the interceptions, you're getting all the touchdowns. But he's been, he hasn't had as many games where he's cratered them. Look, their defense has been terrible this year. Yeah. He's on track it, to pass for 5,000 yards. And they can't so run the, the ball can either. Pass. The yeah, they can can't pass. run the ball either. I know either. he's turnover prone. But I think a lot of that is because there is a lot of pressure on him because, yeah, they don't run the ball. They can't run the ball. And they, they don't have a horrible have, uh, like, secondary. And they have it's a horrible, horrible secondary. defense. So yeah. especially like they're okay secondary. against the run, but generally because most teams don't really try to run against them, I think is, is really what it is. But against the pass, they are just 
awful. And so you, they just go up and down. And, you know, the one game that they lost against the Giant, there were like two or three games that they kind of got screwed on or th- earlier in the year. The game against the Titans, there was a terrible call that they that they could have, that would have flipped the entire game. Um, they should have beat the Giants. Remember, that was Daniel Jones' first game where he came yeah. in and he like lit the world on fire and they kind of choked it late. And then they went in that game, they were playing really well against Seattle and they went and they lost in overtime. I mean, that's three games that can flip your entire season. Sure. And uh, I just I don't like this kind of a spot for them. I like when they're kind of like, you know, on the road as um, like a like a dog on the road. That that's to me where I th- I'm a little more excited for them. Although they're not that great against the spread in their last six as a dog, but they're actually three zero oh, and one in their last four. But they haven't played very good teams, and the Texans. I don't like the fact this has moved from it was Houston minus one. Now it's up to Houston minus three, probably because of the injuries. Um, but they can clinch the AFC South with a win here. And they are seven and one straight up in their last eight games as a road favorite. And they are the Texans. They are five, two and one against the spread in their last seven as a road favorite. Um, which I Look, like. The Texans are, are to me are the most inconsistent team in the NFL. 100%. They're, I don't they're like them at home. I hate them at they home. can win. They can go up up to Foxborough and win a game, and then and then lose at home to Jacksonville. You know, and that to me is emblematic of being highly inconsistent. Same thing with Watson. I mean, I think he's a great quarterback. Going to be a really good quarterback, if not a great quarterback in this league for a lo- for a long time. But inconsistency, even in his play as well. You know. Uh, I, I thought that they were going to really light up the scoreboard this year, uh, you know, in terms of a passing attack. And at times they've really shown that to be the case. But well, they, I, I think it's also a lack of running game. Same problem that they have in uh, Tampa. I don't think they have a viable running attack. No, and they like when Will Fuller really changes their the how, their team. It changes no how you have to defend them because when you have Hopkins and Fuller there. And you have to defend Hopkins and probably give him a little bit more focus. And then that means Fuller is one-on-one. He does have some drops now and then, but he is like almost uncoverable from a speed perspective. Sure. He's like one and of I the fastest guys. I thought Kenny Stills was going to be that guy that's going to really stretch the field for he, the Texans. He's been disappointing. Hasn't been, hasn't been the case at all. I think he's maybe had one or two games where he's really been productive. But otherwise, he's kind of been a, a you know just another... And, you know, number three, number four, number five type receiver. What you said before, the Texans haven't lost two games in a row this year, but they haven't won three in a row. They're just back and forth, back They've and forth. They've done just, just enough to be able um, to compete. But I will say, division. when you look back at their schedule, like they have had a pretty tough schedule, um, th- you know, through, through the year. And this, this, is the, this is their season. So if you can't win this game, then you put all the pressure on you next week. You have to, you know, you play Tennessee. Now, Tennessee could lose this week against the, against the Saints. Um, but if both of these teams lose, then they could, it doesn't matter next week. Uh, then next week, they'll still have the pressure on them. I think Houston wins this game. And, and I'm going to make this a play. I think it's three right now. If it got to a, I, I don't even like playing it now because they've already kind of lost a few points as it's moved. But I think with the injuries, three feels right. I don't think it should be, uh, I wouldn't play this at minus three and a half. But at minus three, I think Houston could win by a field goal. Even if it's close and they don't play well, they should be able to squeak this game out with basically their their season on the line to be able to get a home game in the playoffs, to be able to rest your starters next week, to be able to basically get your bye next week. 
You know, like they they'll get a buy. They they'll get a buy next week if if they're able to win this game. So this is huge. I think I think they have to go in with this mentality, and we we have to see a really big game. And I think Watson leads them there. And I think Jameis is just going to be asked to do a little bit too much without those quality wide receivers that he's had throughout most of the year to lean on. So I'm making Houston one of my uh, three plays this week. Now, to to their credit, when they've had uh, injuries and they've needed guys to step in, Perriman's picked up the load uh, and the tight ends, Howard and Cameron Brait have picked up the load, even a Scotty Miller. But I think that's also because you have another number one on the other side or two number ones, right, in the game. It's a lot easier for Perriman to be open when he's playing with alongside Evans and uh, I just had a, a brain cramp Godwin. for a quick second for when Chris Godwin. So that'll be interesting to see. Can they now pick up the load with both those guys out? A quick mention on the defense. You know, I've been harping on them defensively, especially as you mentioned in their, their secondary but uh, one star that has emerged out of this season is Shaq Barrett. Mm-hmm. The guy's been a beast, and he's looking to be able to topple the 20, 20 sack mark, which is, uh, you know, pretty incredible. You know, there's there's not very many people that land on 20-plus sacks. He's looking to do that. He's right now at 16 and a half, and he's also got 20 tackles for a loss. So. He's been an absolute beast from the linebacker position. For me, uh, this is a no-touch game for me personally, but I think that uh, for all the reasons that you mentioned, the Texans need to go in there and win this game. And like you said, to be able to rest some of their guys the week after. Uh, so it's it's kind of a must-win for them. Moving on to uh, uh, another must-win Really, to to win the division, it's the Bills and the Patriots. This yeah. is a game for the division, and if the Pats win, obviously they'll put them away. If the Bills win, uh, I'll have to look at the tiebreaker scenarios to see who wins out if they both finish with the same record. If the Bills win out, they would they and uh, they would I think they would it'd be there. So they they hold the tiebreaker. Okay, mm-hmm. so to me, it's a must win though. I think from a confidence perspective, if you can go in, beat the Patriots the team that has held a stronghold on this division for two decades now, I think it would mean a lot in terms of where the the bills are at. And for as much as people are saying that the Patriots have declined, especially offensively and, and they have, they're 11 and three still. Yep. I mean, for, for this horrible decline, somehow they found a way to win. And I think a big part of that was something that I alluded to in last week's show, which is about the third phase of the team, which is often overlooked, special teams. They've actually won games due to their special teams play and their defense. And I think any time that you can rely on either one of those to be able to make their mark, whether it be for better field position or, uh, you know, to helping the offense uh, get the ball back as many times as possible, you know, if you've got more chances, it increases your chances of scoring. So maybe the best offense is a really good defense. You know what I mean? So, and that's what both of these two teams have. Correct. That they, these, two, you know, and that's the like th- these two teams are very similar in that. It sounds funny to say that Tom Brady's becoming a, become a little bit more of a game manager, but we've definitely hit on the point that they don't have playmakers. 
in in New England, and they don't. It's not like throw it up to Gronk, throw it up to the playmakers. Like like there have been some years. Um, it's it's much different. They have to be smart with the ball. They have to not turn the ball over. They have to make sure to let their defense, as you said, like win games for them. And when these two teams played earlier in the year, Buffalo's defense really played well. And it was it was one of those games where Josh Allen was just really bad. And some of it was the Patriots causing that. Other parts of it were just Josh, Josh Allen making a bad mistake, making a bad play, like trying to do a little bit too much when he didn't have to, if he could have just thrown the ball away or just, uh, you know, taken a sack and not, you know, uh, not fumbled the ball. But he was really bad. Since then, he's been much better. Um, last week, he struggled a little bit, but he made the plays that he needed to. I mean, they won games at Dallas, at Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. Uh, we, one of their strengths is their ability to win on the road. They actually have a better road record than a home record. They're 6-1 and one, uh, away from Orchard Park right now with that one loss, the lone loss being a three-point game, probably a bad loss when they go back and look at it because they had their chances against Cleveland. They lost 19-16 to 16 in that ball game. Bills should be right there in this game. Like I said, this is for the division. Bills I want to talk a little bit more about this game, though. Let's take a break. Sure. Let's let's stay on it because I like this game a little bit, and I have a, a couple more things I want to point out. So I think it's time for us to take a break, and then we'll we'll continue with this Pats-Bills game, and then we'll move on to uh, the rest of the Sunday slate. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence and dominance and dominance in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on The Voice America Variety Channel. We're celebrating a winter hunting wonderland this week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav with delightful hunting tales, delicious wild game holiday recipes, and more. Hopping on the air with the boys is Scott Lasath, host of Dead Meat, Melissa Bachman from Winchester Deadly Passion, plus our very own Mrs. Bunny and Secret Santa Cat Daddy. The Revolution is presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Merry Christmas, y'all. Saturdays at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.
This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Patriots, Bills, and... Yeah, and but my- hey, before we get you back into that groove, just a quick programming note. Next Thursday will be the day after Christmas, so it'll be December 26th. We will be having a live show. And, Gino, that's actually going to be during probably race seven of the uh, Santa Anita opening day card, man. Are you going to be doing anything on your show or putting out picks for yeah. that big opening yeah, day card? Yeah, if you um, if you look to my other show, That's What G Said podcast, I'll break down the full I'll be I'll break down the full card so when the entries come out I think next day or two they're they're coming out pretty soon um I'll probably have the a show out like two or two days in advance where I go through the full the full card and then we'll maybe be able to uh to kind of give you a a live pick or two uh on the uh, on the show depending on what the the time uh is permitting that day and then yeah or maybe we'll take a quick peek into the weekend race yeah Saturday yeah we'll we'll preview the the weekend races for like Sunday I I love the horse racing schedule when they get to uh the holidays and uh new year's day cards and and all that good stuff so We'll uh, we'll be doing some handicapping and having some fun. Let's get back to the uh, Pats and Bills. I know you have some thoughts. Yeah, um, the Bills have won four of their last five, and a couple big wins. And the game when they played each other, remember, and Allen was struggling, and then he got hurt. So they're playing against uh, my old friend Matt Barkley. Matt Barkley was closing that game for the Bills against the Patriots, and the Bills actually held really tough. It was a close game. They, uh, they, they covered that game, too. They're playing way better right now. Their offense, they know who they are. That's why I like the Bills. They're just going to run the ball. Um, Josh Allen's going to make a play or two with his legs. He will make one or two throws a game where you go, oh, my God. God, like how did he hit that? And then he'll miss three wide open receivers or like overthrow a couple. But he he's doing that less and less. He that's I think that's all you can ask, right? Is just improvement, gradual improvement. We see some quarterbacks and we've seen some guys kind of from year one to two, year two regress. Like I mean, he's having a much better year than someone like Baker Mayfield, who has been a little unlucky with you know some of his wide receiver drops and stuff. But he's he's regressed, you know. Um, so I think. I'm I'm playing the Bills in here. These are it's gonna be a close game with two good defenses. So when that to me when I see that and I see six and a half, that's too much. Like, do the Patriots probably win this game at home? Yeah, but if this game is close and back and forth and it's decided by a field goal or by four points, is that gonna surprise me? No, I think you know if you could get a touchdown, great. If it was able to move that way, but at six and a half, I'm I'm completely fine with taking the Bills at at six and a half. Yeah, and you know. Most of the uh, games with real big-time playoff implications are on Saturday. I think the NFL schedule makers are probably not too happy about that. One of the games, obviously, to me, it, it lacks intrigue because I don't think they're, either of them are really good teams, but it's going to be a matchup for the division, which is the uh, Cowboys and the Eagles. Yes. We'll talk about that for a quick second. And then the other one that's also a battle for the division are the Packers and Vikings games. Mm-hmm. To, to me, that's more of an intriguing matchup because – I still don't know who the Packers are. No. I don't know what they are. I don't know what to make of them. And any of the other games on Sunday are just going to be uh, for seeding purposes only for the most one, part. One, okay, one thought on, on – oh, man, the Raiders. They couldn't get that win to close out the Coliseum. Huh, last yeah, that's a big, bum, big bummer. 
for, for them. And they still actually are mathematically alive, but a lot has to happen. Mainly the Steelers are going to need to lose. They're going to need to win. And uh, I believe the Colts are involved with the math somewhere in there. So and they still more, have an outside shot. If we would have said in week one or week two that Miami would be favored in a game, that's crazy. But I think Miami is like, it's either a pick them in some places to Miami favored by one against the Bengals, just to show you how bad of a year the Bengals have been having. Yeah. And also to show you kind of uh, the turnaround that the Dolphins have had from absolutely atrocious to uh, respectability under Flores. Mm -hmm. So props to them for, you know, turning things around sort of uh, within their season. I think compared to the results in the first two, they've done a fantastic job. Uh, and a game that has like some interest uh, on on Sunday also is the Saints going to the Titans. Um, the Titans they need to win and win out if they want to still have an opportunity to win the division. They also need a little bit of luck. They need the Texans to lose. Um, any thoughts? You know, either way or a quick uh, quick thought on this game. Yeah, I mean, it it kind of goes back to some of the things that we've talked about, which is you got to win this game if you are going to earn yourself a what you know a buy or you know a uh, a real buy for for the Saints perspective yes uh, they have being to win that's rest the key. players and that type of thing yeah they're in an advantageous uh position because the Niners and the Seahawks get to beat up on each other so those are the other teams that they're kind of rivaling against for that number 1 seed and uh they're obviously hoping for the Vikings to be able to win this game against the Pack and then uh they really control their own destiny at that point but the other thing I was going to mention too is they don't have to worry about road games if they win this one. Mm-hmm. And I think any worry for a dome team is how are you going to perform in snowy weather if you have to go into a, you know, Lambeau Field? Green Bay, yeah. Right? I mean, I don't think anybody wants to, but especially a dome team who's not accustomed to it, that's going to be really, really bad for, for them if they have to go on the road. Most of the other games, uh, they don't have to worry about in terms of snow. Probably some rain in Seattle. Uh, you know, if the Cowboys win that division, uh, you know, either way, they're going to be going to uh, play in New Orleans. So they don't have to worry about that. Um, in San Francisco, the weather is going to be good. So, you know, they don't have a lot to worry about if they win this game and handle business. Then they pretty much are going to guarantee themselves if they can uh, lock up that one seed that they will never have to worry about that Green Bay game. I mean, so, there, are, yeah, there are three games this week, too, and you look that are just like like Carolina Indy. I mean, how many like and, and I heard a couple, you know, shows or people, um, you know, from the sports books were talking about the money. And it's like some of these games just don't get played at all either. Like who's Here, watching? Here's how you play them. I'm going to tell you right now. Here's how you play them, Gino. You look for the teams that have a lot of heart that are playing for jobs, playing for their coach to keep his job. And then you're going to find that some teams have just completely given up Mm -hmm. and you could stick a fork in them. Like the Giants Redskins game. Like, you know, I I think there, see, it's interesting because, you know, the the Redskins don't even have a head coach really, you know, and the Giants is probably on the hot seat. Absolutely on the hot seat. So you have guys that are playing for their jobs. It's interesting because Eli Manning seems to be really refreshed coming off Mm -hmm. the bench. You know, he doesn't have that wear and tear from the season. I don't know who's projected to be the starter this week, uh, whether it's going to be Danny Jones or Eli Manning. But, uh, you know, that 
purely as a game for the draft. They're yeah. both three and three and eleven. So uh, and then another another one of those really type of games that. with some maybe just some some head coaching implications is uh, Detroit Denver, right? Like n- not a lot for either of these two teams. Like Denver, no, and Detroit ma- management has already come out and said that they're bringing Patricia back for next year. But I mean, can you? What if you get blown out in the last two games of the season? Yeah, I mean, what is if you're what if your players like sentiment? you just said? What if your players are trying to give you a message and say we're not we don't want to play for this guy? Yeah, he's probably getting a little bit of a pass for not having a star quarterback in there for a lot of the season. But here's the thing, man. The Lions have been in a rebuild forever. 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 When are they going to rebuild? I mean, at some point you have to understand that maybe it's your scouting department. You could bring in any head coach from any system and you're going to get the same results if you can't piece it all together. And the Lions are just historically bad. And there's franchise. one, it's, it's funny, there's one thing, um, I saw a stat a few weeks ago about how since Barry Sanders, they haven't had one year where they've had a top 10 rushing offense. They just don't, they can't run the ball ever. So every single year, like think about them since Barry Sanders, have you ever thought about a Detroit team that could run the ball ever? No. None. And so when you're starting every year, like, oh, we can't run the ball. Like that doesn't that makes you a pretty predictable, a pretty easy to easily to defend team against good coaches. Now Detroit can you know score some points some years, and they've had some. I mean, some years where they just had like really talented wide receivers that can win you games. You know that that are just going to go out there and like be able to like out jump the 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 DBs. And and I'm just like I was dumbfounded when I saw that like the number that it just they just never can run the ball, and you're just always at such a disadvantage there. And so. Yeah, there are a couple games this week that are just like head scratchers. Like if you're not yeah, playing most fantasy of them for or, positioning or, yeah, or exactly. wagering on them, then you're in some trouble. Yeah, yeah. Bengals, Dolphins. You know, uh, Bengals are pretty much locked up that one seed for or one. You know, the first draft pick slot uh, for the 2020 draft. That's a dud matchup. Jacksonville and the Falcons. Both of them are five and nine. Dud matchup. Raiders and Chargers. The slightest of playoff implications obviously the chargers are a huge disappointment with as much talent as they had they have you know winning five out of their first 14 games is garbage they've had a terrible time drawing fans to their stadium there's a lot of negativity about them sharing and you know in in the stadium in inglewood with with the rams and all how that situation is going to pan out yeah, yeah, I agreed. You know, a lot of uh, garbage matchups, not a lot of intrigue. Uh, I think we've pretty much highlighted the main ones. Who do you, yeah, where the, do you come out on the Eagles and Cowboys? I'm going with the Eagles. I mean, I, I see. Here's my here's my my stance on this. I like the Eagles. The beginning of the year, they've had a ton of injuries. They've been just bad, but you know they've been really banged up. And now it's funny. It just comes down to one game. You have to win one game at home, really. And then you can't lay an egg next, you know, in your final game of the year. But you, you just have to win one game at home against the Cowboys team who's been really inconsistent. If we're looking at these two teams, I think Philly has the coaching edge. You know, and I think it's a, if it's a tight game, it's going to be back and forth. And like, which coach do I uh, do I put my faith in? I'm leaning with the Eagles here, and so I'm 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 seeing plus two in some spots. Um, I would love if you if you got up to plus two and a half and plus three that you could get, but at plus two I'm fine. I would probably just play this game money line straight up because I think the Eagles win this game. And you okay, know, we're going to be head to head by the way because I'm I'm going with Dallas on this they, one. They just looked to me they looked too good last week, so that's why 
from just a perspective, like a pure odds you perspective. Think they blew their wad, blew their they, wad last week, basically. Yes, and I just don't like I don't trust them to put that kind of an effort back to back. And I don't trust the Eagles to come out with a great game. But I just think that if these two teams, you get as close. Phillies at home, um, you know, Garrett clapping out there, you know, I'm, uh, I don't know. Uh, and I think because they, they were so good against the Rams last week that a lot of people will probably look at Dallas and think, I mean, from just a, how you've seen these two teams play the last six weeks, I couldn't play Philly based on like much football analysis. This is just like a pure gambling. I think so many people saw Dallas look good last week that I'm going in the opposite direction. See, and I'm pretty good at putting the blinders on and not even looking at what mm-hmm. happened last week uh, because sometimes that can really overly sway you. For me, Philadelphia just doesn't have any playmakers. No, they maybe have the worst You're receiving. Right. They have the maybe the worst receiving core in the NFL. Their best receiver is their tight end. Their second best receiver might is be their, their back other tight end. Yep. So to me, the Eagle and and their running game has been yeah. At, you know, I know they've had some injuries or whatnot, but I mean, they had to bring in JHI off uh, this, this, you know, street free agent who's not even healthy to uh, plug in some of the hole a little bit to have that bigger back goal line scenario. Uh, but yeah, uh, to me, I think Dallas wins this game because they just have a lot more talent. They're way the better. They're, yeah. and they're a team that could actually win a playoff game if they have it at home. I just got a weird feeling that it, it's just they, they're not going to put the back-to-back efforts together and that Philly just is going to come up with a, a good enough game to win. And then I would be scared about Philly next week if they won this game. Like after, because yeah. they've, they've lost games to Miami. They could have lost to the Giants. They could have lost to the Redskins. And as we get set to close out this show, Mike, my three plays for this week were the... Houston Texans minus three, Buffalo Bills plus six and a half, and Philadelphia Eagles plus two. Yeah, and I've already gone over mine, and I'm going to add to that the Cleveland Browns getting 10 points against Baltimore. That's a good one. Baltimore has an opportunity to be able to. Yeah, I think they have an opportunity to rest some guys in the second half, and I think the Browns are one of those teams that are going to be playing for jobs in a big, big way. Uh, The last one for me is going to be. I think the Vikings do take care of business, even if they don't have their number one running back in there. They're going to take care of business at home. I know people are like, don't bet against uh, Aaron Rodgers, but I don't know. To me, Aaron Rodgers is just not Aaron Rodgers this year. And uh, I think age is catching up to him. And I think the Vikings in a must win to be able to maintain their playoff seating are going to get the job done at home. We're about to uh, run out of time, unfortunately. I was hoping to be able to talk a little bit about the big fight this weekend. I encourage any fight fan to check out Harrison Charlo, the second edition of it. Harrison won the first bout, uh, so this will be a grudge match. It's going to be down in Ontario, California, at the Toyota Arena. Uh, That'll be on PBC, the premier boxing champions, Fox Sports. That's all the time we have, Gino, so... Merry Christmas, happy holidays to everyone out there. Thanks for listening in. Yeah, very blessed Christmas. Thank you to all our listeners, as always. And get in your Capital Bowl Mania selections in by tomorrow, Friday. That's all the time we have, everyone. Thank you so much. Merry Christmas. See you same time, same place next week for the Santa Anita opening day card. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.